looks like to be devoted, part two. All right, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, if you want to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 13, and this, this character in the scriptures, he is a hero in the eyes of the Israelites. And far before there was Marvel and comic books and extraordinary people that had crazy amount of strength, and it was like, where did this come from? They came from another planet. They, they, they were uh, looking their entire life for us, that power that was within them, and then there's a moment in a superhero's life that it comes alive. Well, the scriptures were way before Marvel, and there are honestly people in the scripture. When I was little, I would read it, and I'd get so excited about it. It was, it was, it was exciting to be able to read and to to understand that there was like superpowers within people that God would anoint, people that God would move in. And sometimes it could go so over our head, it's like, that's crazy. Like, I don't even understand that. As I look back at it now and I read this passage and this story of this man that had this really this anointed power from God of strength, this unexplainable amount of strength that he would conquer people, he would fight people. It was almost like this moment um, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a Bible guy, and I grew up in the church, but there's this story um, in Marvel of Thor, and where Thor finally finds, like, his, his hammer, and, like, all this power comes over Thor, and there's, like, this particular scene. I don't know where he's at. He's, like, down in, like, a scary place with all these, like, demon things, and Thor grabs his, his, his hammer, and he starts killing, like, all these, these people, and there's a moment in this particular man's life, in Samson's life, where strength had overcome him, and it says that the Lord gave him strength. The Lord gave him power. So we're going to talk about a man that was devoted to God even before he was born. There was this, this faithfulness that he had to step into. The Lord said, I need you to be devoted. And there were moments in Samson's life where he brought out the very best of Israel and those that were coming against Israel. They were living in a time and place in history where the Philistines were, uh, had, had the Israelites captive. So they were in Israel, but yet the Philistines had infiltrated Israel. So you would walk around a corner, there would be a Jew, there would be a Hebrew, but then you'd walk around another corner, and there was a Philistine that had overtaken the city, and it was the Philistines. And they were conquerors. They had the upper hand on these Israelites. But I want to read you the story of, of Samson, and like bear with me because it's a lot of scripture, but it is a perfect depiction of what it means to be devoted, what it means to be faithful, and then God using your gift and your talent, but then misusing it. Because I often think that God, he desires to use us in a really powerful way. He desires to use us and to move us and to call us to more, and so we have to be willing to step into a faithfulness to step into being devoted with God, to step into something more. And it comes with consequence. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with being able to separate yourself from what you're called to. So it says this in, in uh, Judges. It'll be right behind me. I'm going to read through it really quick. It says, again, the Philistine, or the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Quick side note. The Israelites, in moments of their life, were devoted to God. They followed God. They did the laws, and they did everything that they knew they had to do. They loved God. They cherished God. They were reminded that God had taken them through moments of despair and brokenness, and then he brought, he brought great victory in their life. 
And yet there were times where they would fall back and they would forget everything God had done. And the enemy would come, the Philistines would come, those around them would come. And the Lord literally says they begin to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so then the Lord kind of brought back his anointing over this region, over these people, and kind of hell broke loose over them. It says, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. She was barren. She could not have a child. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see that, now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. There was the call of consecration. I'm going to give you a child, but this child is to be separated. It says in verse 5, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistine. There was his purpose right there. Samson's purpose was to take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. In many ways, Samuel was a judge Samuel was the one who heard the voice of God. Samuel was the one who led the Israelites out of brokenness, out of war, into victory. And he was a mouthpiece of God. He was anointed of God. And the angel of the Lord literally visits his mom and dad and says, hey, I need you to consecrate your son. So the Nazarite vow, I don't know if you ask yourself, what in the world is that, Nazarite? This is what it says. This is the vow, a vow to consecrate separate or devote yourself to the Lord. This was, in moments, a Jew, a Hebrew, could make this choice if they wanted to or not. But the requirements were you did not shave your hair, your head. Like, no hair, like, for the, like, it doesn't matter how old you are, you don't shave it. That was one of the vows. Don't shave your head. Don't drink wine or strong drink. And there was other things like, don't touch a dead carcass. Don't get next to something that's unclean because you are to be separated. And then it goes on to say the definition, it was a voluntary consecration to Jehovah, to God. Symbolized priestly life, a priestly life without a priestly office. Does that make sense? So there were those in the scriptures that had a calling to be a priest, to do all this stuff, to sacrifice goats and the blood, and it was crazy and it was weird, and that was their duty. They heard from God, they acted upon God, but there were others that said, I want to have the priestly call, but I just don't want the office. I don't want like to be the guy in the temple doing all the sacrifice. I want to be separated. It was a volunteer act. And I don't know about you, but there's moments in my life where I, I, I volunteer myself. Hey God, I honestly, I want to be separated. I want to do things differently. I don't want to do it how other people have done it. I don't want to act the way people act. I want to be clean in your eyes. I want to be blessed, if I'm being honest, God. Like, I want you to see me and to do something with my life because there's purpose calling me. And God says, all right, consecrate yourself. Separate yourself. Be okay to have a priestly office. Or be okay to have a priestly life without a priestly office. And then it goes on and says, the woman gave birth to a boy named Samson, and he grew to the, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in that place of Dan. And the verse goes on to say in chapter 14, then Samson gets married to a Philistine. 
Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Here's the Marvel story. In every character of Marvel, there's like this, this big climax of their life where the superpower comes out. And for some reason, the author of Judges wants us to know this man was different. This man had some crazy strength, and it's here in the scriptures, and he wants us to know it, what's going on. And it says this. It's crazy. It says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. If you write notes, I would circle that or underline it because I've, I've seen it three different times in these three chapters. It says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. So that he tore that line apart with his bare hands and as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father or his mother what he had done. Why? Because he went down and talked with the woman and, well, he liked her. So this woman that he was going to go meet, he liked her. But then it says, sometime later he went back to marry her. He turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. That wasn't his call. That wasn't his purpose. The, 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 the Nazarite vow is you do not touch or see or get a, near something that's unclean. It says, and when he saw it, uh, there was a swarm of bees and some honey in the carcass. He scooped out the honey with his hands and he ate it as he went along. When he, then he rejoiced and he took it to his parents. He gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. That's like so weird unless you know that a Nazarite doesn't touch a dead carcass. The author wants us to know sometime in Samuel's journey, he was dedicated, he was devoted, but he, t- he started to like slip a little bit. He didn't care. It wasn't a big deal. And Samson, I will show you, that's why it's so important we go through like each chapter. There's three chapters here. Because Samson found himself in the trap of being prideful. Pride began to seep in because, I mean, he was probably a really good looking guy. And clearly he had a lot of strength. He could tear up a whole lion to pieces. So he had to be really fit. So like then the girls really liked him. He had a lot of issues with girls. But pride began to seep in. That's why it's like, not part one of relationship, like, series, but, like, we're just going to get started with Samson because it's pretty sad what happens to this guy <laughs> based off his pride and based off his ego and based off, hey, I know I got some, like, talents. I know I got some gifts. I know I have something to say. I know people look at me a little bit differently. I know when people talk to me about God, I kind of know what to say. And so Samson then found himself falling under this, this pride, this arrogance, and he goes and he devours this lion. And for I have no, why did you go back to the lion? And he takes the honey out and he doesn't tell his parents. But he got married. So that's where it leaves us in uh, verse 14. There was a riddle that Samson said, like, again, boastful guy. I don't know why he's throwing out riddles for people to catch. It says in the previous verses, I just can't read all of it. It's too much. So go back and read it. But he gets married and he tells the, this, his companions that were given to him through the Israelites or through the Philistines. There was like 50 of them. And the the companions were like the guys that were like his right-hand guys, but he didn't want them, so they were just there. And Samson says, hey, I got a riddle for you. If you can like tell this riddle, I'll give you like a lot of money. I'll take care of you. You'll be helped out. So there's like, there's money involved with you finding this riddle. And here's the riddle. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. And then it says, on on the fourth day, he said to Samson, 
Samson's uh, wife, coax your husband. They said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us. Or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Pretty crazy climax. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him sobbing. Here's the mistake, Samson. You hate me, she said. You don't really love me. You've given me, my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. She cried the whole seven days of the feast of their wedding. Like, why on earth did you even share a riddle to begin with, Samson? Like, what's going on? And then it says, she began to press him. And, and then in turn, he explained the riddle to her. And then she went and told her people and says, before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson said to them, if you do not, if you had not plowed with my heifer. Now this, again, like what is this guy? He's talking about his wife. You don't talk about your wife in relation to a heifer, right? And again, this is a different context, but it's kind of not. Like, I don't know if you guys know what a heifer is, right? It's like a cow. So I don't know what he's talking about in relation to his wife as a cow, but he's, he's not talking sweet about his wife. Yet he's supposed to be devoted. Yet he's supposed to be consecrated. Yet he's supposed to be separated from the things that other people say. Maybe someone else talks bad about your, their wife, but not, not when I'm following God. I'm going to make sure that my wife is, is respected, that my wife is honored. And so there was no honor in Samson's life. But yet he had this, this anointing, this strength. It was like a pep into his walk. He didn't care what people said. He didn't care what people like, told, like, told him to his face because he was all about him. And then it says, this is hard for me to understand, but I think I understand it. <laughs> it says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Why on earth would the spirit of the Lord come upon Samuel when he's doing all these things? And the only understanding for me is because God will still use his purpose in your issues. He will still use his purpose, his glory over yours. So Samson is all caught up in this girl and this riddle, and then the riddle has got out, and now they're making fun of Samson. And the scripture says the spirit of the Lord came upon him because what is his purpose? To lead the Israelites, to conquer the Philistines. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's house and Samson's wife, this is sad, it was, he was, she was given to one of his companions who had attended the feast. But that, like, is his fault. Like, he was so caught up about so many other things. He had the wrong people around him. He shouldn't have had these Philistines as his companions. And now one of them takes her as his own wife. It goes on. Samson gets revenge in uh, Judges 15, verse 4 says, So he went out and caught three. This is, again, marvel to me. It says he caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to every pair of tails lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. This is stuff that I remember hearing about in children's, like, Bible school, like, as a little kid. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, there's foxes on fire? And then I read that, I'm like, this is like a Marvel comic. <laughs> says he burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked, who did this, they were told Samson. 
the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. He was upset. He was frustrated. He was detoured from his, his call. He had a purpose. He had a consecration, and he's falling short here and there. It seems as though everywhere Samson goes, havoc follows him. It seems as though even though he's got a calling, even though he has an anointing, even though he has a purpose, he's making all of the wrong choices. It says, so the Philistines went up and burned his wife and, the, and, and her, her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them, and then he went down and stayed in a cave in a rock. And then the, Philist, the, Pharisee, or the, the Israelites that lived in Israel because the Philistines had taken over, they were over Samson. Samson, you're supposed to be our leader. Samson, you're supposed to be the one that we look to, and yet you're falling short. And everywhere you go, Samson, you are not clearly devoted to God. Because if you were devoted to God, you'd be leading us Israelites. There's havoc, there's pain, there's despair. Everywhere you step, there's a problem. So the scripture says that the Israelites tied him up and handed him over to the Philistines. And this is like that Thor moment in Samson's life. It says in verse 12, they said to him, we've come to you to tie you up hand over the Philistines. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up to the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, and there it is again. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone on the floor from a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Like, this strength comes over Samson and he kills a thousand men, a thousand Philistines, those that are against the Israelites. So God seems to be still using Samson in his mess up. That's what's crazy to me about God, if I could be honest. There's so much grace, even when you look at the Old Testament, because this is like Old Testament stuff. You don't hear this a lot on a Sunday because a lot of times, if I'm being honest, the New Testament reminds us of the hope of grace of Jesus Christ. Yet, I can pinpoint every moment that God has been gracious to Samson. Over and over and over again, there's grace, there's grace. He messes up tremendously, there's grace. He messes up, there's grace. And now, not only is there grace, but God's still using his purpose in his life. I wonder, in a room like this, how many people are here that said, hey, I want to be devoted to you, God. I want to be separated. I want to do things the right way. And yet there's moments in life where it could be pride. It could be lust. It could be fear. It could be anxiousness. Whatever it is, we find ourselves on a detour. And what's crazy is there's always God's grace that's right there to say, hey, it's okay. Just get back. Just get, just get aligned with me and let me show you because you've got the gift. You've got the strength. I've given you all the tools that you have to do your purpose. But you can't, like, you got to keep your eye on the prize. And so it says that he grabbed the bone and he killed all of them. Samson said with a jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. <laughs> with a donkey's jawbone. There's the boast again. Come on, Samson. I've killed a thousand men. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. That's really important to know. 
He was a leader in the eyes of the Israelites for 20 years. So we don't know what happened at this moment at the cave where he killed a 1,000 men with a jawbone to what about his, what's about to happen in his life. It's like the climax of his sin. It's the climax of his pride. It's the climax of his arrogance. And then the next chapter, there was a woman that he met named Delilah. But before he meets Delilah, the author wants us to know this. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Shorek, whose name was Delilah. Sorry, before that, he meets a prostitute. Sorry. Before that, this man meets a prostitute. And for some reason, the author wants us to know that. By the way, after, we don't know how long in this 20-year period, Samson finds himself with a prostitute because he's probably really good looking and all the girls want him. He's with a prostitute, and then the, the, the author just goes on. And then he falls in love with this girl named Delilah. And Delilah was deceiving. Delilah had it out for Samson. Delilah wanted his power. Delilah was also pulled in, in a way by, uh, like, having all the money and having all the glamour and having all the jewels and looking like the part. And so Delilah was one that probably was very appealing to Samson. It says in the scripture, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see, if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's just a lot of money. Then she said to him, how, how can you say I love you? He's, she tried it like four times with Samson. He was just playing with her. That's I was telling this story to Kelly, and it was like, I missed this in, in like children's school, this story of Samson. Because the scripture says that Delilah, after hearing this from the rulers of the Philistines, she goes to him and lies with him. Scripture says on his lap, which you can look it up. It means a lot of like different inappropriate things. But she would go to him inappropriately. She would go to him. She would go to him. And she would just seduce him. And then she would say, Samson, you're so strong. You got it, like, all together. Could you tell me what your power is? Because, like, nothing seems to be tearing you apart. And he would say, yeah, if you, like, get bowstring and, like, wrap it around my arms, like, five times, then, like, my power is taken away from me. So the scripture says she would go and tell the Philistines. They would come in. She would seduce him. He would wake up. He would break loose from whatever trap she put him in. And the, the Philistines would come to attack him. And he would kill them all. And it was like this weird fantasy with Samson and Delilah. But Samson seemed to be feeding into it. Because he knew, he had to have known at one point, this woman is not good for me. There's a pastor, I wanted to use it so bad because it's so good. There's a pastor that, that titled this story, That Girl is Poison. Because like it's pretty bad what she's doing to this guy Samson. But yet, the devoted consecration that he had to have had with God was not there. There are moments where I look at this, I was looking at it, I, was, I asked myself, where was Samson's friends? Where were the people that actually cared about him? He finds a prostitute, then he, he bumps the prostitute, and then he goes and finds Delilah, and there's this snare, and he's sleeping with her, and it's fun, and it's games, and it's lust, and it's exciting, and yet there's this echo in his ear, I'm coming after you. I'm trying to find what your strength is, and oh, you're just so strong. I don't know what it is. And it's this weird, awkward, incredibly 
unappropriate situation in the story of this man's life. And then the climax comes. She said, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret to your strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. I don't know about you, (laughs) but it doesn't matter how consecrated you are to God. When you have something in your ear over and over and over, and it's a lie, and it's a lie, and it's a lie, after a while, you just give in. That's why it's important that you have community. That's why it's important you've got friends. Hey, man, this girl, like, I want to do it right, but this girl's, like, in my ear. She's bugging me. And, like, she's attractive. She's beautiful. She's good looking. She's got it all together. Like, what's so wrong about, like, me giving in? But yet he was never able to have those conversations. The scripture make it clear he had no friends that was speaking into his life, yet he was supposed to be a Nazarite, and there was power over him. He was consecrated. He had it all together. There was even moments in his life where he would tear apart a lion, and clearly God was at, at hand in his life. But one girl messed it up for him. He was sick to his stomach, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. I wonder in that moment what he was thinking when he told her that. Like in his sin, I don't know about you, but there's moments in my life when I was like just messed up and I'd make mistakes. There would be moments where I was in the middle of my sin and I would still talk about God. It would make me so sick to my stomach. Maybe that sickness was also a sign to Samson. Yeah, you're sick to your stomach over this girl, but you're sick to this, your stomach because I've consecrated you. I've separated you. This is not a space for you to be. It's time to run, Samson. And yet he sat and enjoyed himself. It says, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands and after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and she began to subdue him and his strength left him. He awoke from his sleep and thought, this is the leader of Israel, by the way. She woke from his, he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And what's interesting to me is, like, there's moments in our lives where we have choices. Do I consecrate myself to God because I, I made that vow to him? Or do I step out and, and do I just give in to whatever my, my flesh says? Whatever my emotions say, I'm just going to ride with that. Whatever my desire says, whatever my heart says, I'm just going to go that way. And yet there's this clear instruction from the word of God to Samson. You are called, separated, consecrated. There is a plan and purpose I have for you. But the blessings only come with consecration. The blessing only comes with separating yourself from moments where you could give in. And the scripture says, there's also scripture that says God will never put you in a space or moment where the tempting is too much. He'll never do that to you. But I truly believe this was a test to Samson's life. 
because he was so caught up in his pride. He was so caught up in his lust. He was so caught up in this girl, Delilah, that she ruined his life. And the Philistines come. They take him. They gouge his eyes out. They, they strip him naked in the, the, the temple gates of their God. And it says, the scripture says, Samson says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me with one blow get revenge on these Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two pillars because he asked them with, with a sacrifice, could you just put me close to the pillars? I can't see, but is it okay if I can just lean on the pillars? And his plan, he was hoping that God would give him strength much more. And he did. And it's crazy because it's a martyr story. He sacrifices himself and pushes down the temple. And the scripture says that he killed more men on that day than any day in his lifetime. And it's a sad story, and it's an uncomfortable story, and it's an awkward story. Yet the beauty within the story is that God always gives us not just second chances, but third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chances. Worship team, you can come on up. God will always restore what you destroyed. <laughs> he will always restore something in your life. If you have felt like I've consecrated myself to God once before, I've separated myself, I, I, knew, I, I knew what I had to do, but then when the moment came, I messed up. But I didn't just mess up, I was indulged in it. That's what happened with Samson. He found himself in the midst of his sin and actually finding for, like pleasure in it. And because of that, there was deep sorrow and brokenness. But what's so crazy is God still, he still gives Samson his purpose back. His purpose was to lead the Israelites. His purpose was to destroy the Philistines. His purpose was to go before his people as a commander-in-chief, his people as a judge, and bring victory to the Israelites. And what's so sad is God still used his purpose in Samson's life at the cost of Samson's life, though. That was Samson's choice. The scripture doesn't say God made him push down the temple walls. But I don't understand, like, in moments when I look at this story, I have found myself where Samson has been. There have been moments where I've, I'm so broken and I feel as though I've sinned and I've sinned and I've messed up and I've fallen short and it's almost as if someone has gouged out my eyes and I'm bleeding and I'm broken and I'm crying out to God. God, would you just give me one more chance? Would you restore me one more time? God, I'm ready to consecrate. I'm ready to separate. I'm ready to make things right with you. And in this story, God does that for Samson. I wrote down, maybe you've fallen short and you can step back into your purpose. Maybe you were once a leader and you can get back into leading. Maybe you've lost something. You've given something up. God can always restore it back to you. And I don't know where you're at in this room. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the moments where you've decided it's time to devote. But I would just encourage you, based off the scriptures, not to live a life with false intention. Not to live a life, a life filled with, with pleasure, filled with pride, filled with what the world can offer or bring. And yet to find yourself I need to be consecrated because I know in the consecration, God takes care of me. 
I've shared this before. I, I noticed that, that there's moments, and that's what's so crazy with how beautiful God's grace is. There, there are moments in our life where we just mess up and mess up and mess up. But it comes a point where we're cognitive of the mess ups. We just like know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. And that's exactly what Samson was doing. Like, you got to put yourself in his shoes. There was a beautiful girl at his lap. And he couldn't find the strength within him to run because of the consecration that he had with God, because of the vow he had with God. And because of that, there was some consequences to his sin, to his mess up. Yet, God will still use you because God still used Samson. He didn't have to die, but he decided to die a martyr. And that is interesting in and of itself, but I just want you to know wherever you're at right now, God is wooing you. He's calling you to more. If you're a leader, he's calling you to be a leader. If you're one that God has given talents to, he's calling you to step out and give your talents. If you're one that knows it's time to fully devote, then give God all your heart. Don't just give it half. Don't just give him some. Don't just go back to the dead carcass. Like, get rid of it. Say, I'm done with it. I'm over with it. I've buried my past because I'm ready for a new future. And wherever you're at right now, know that God's grace is so beautiful and so powerful. It is inviting you to step into being devoted and being faithful to God. Would you stand with me? We're going to finish. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. For every person, God, that would speak to us, to, to you, and, and to say, I, I'm, t I'm ready to just to give it all to you, God. I'm ready to separate myself for you, God. I'm ready to step into more with you, God. I pray, oh Jesus, that you would speak into every person tonight. Whatever season of life they're in, oh God, that you would woo them. You would remind them, Jesus, of how good you are, how gracious you are, that you are a good father, but you call us to live under your rule, under your household. And within that household, God, there are regulations, there are rules. And I pray, oh God, that we'd be okay with that, that we would know that when you call us, you call us to something. And you call us to step out and you call us to be different and you call us to... To, to get rid of that, that weight in our life. And Jesus, right now, I pray that you would speak to every soul in this room. That you would beckon us, God, to be more devoted and more faithful to you. Jesus, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.